Josh Podcast. Say hello to the people who care. Nothing's better than friends. The Nosh Podcast. Because you know that your friends are always there. Sarah, did you like doing scantons when you were a kid? Did I like doing scantrons? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Nosh Podcast presents Let's Be Friends. I'm Natasha. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chelsea. And we were just talking about if Sarah likes uh, liked Scantrons. Wait, why is it just me though? I don't know because you said something about dropping your pencil, putting your pencil down, and being over. And I immediately <laughs> felt triggered. And then I there was something about that that just made me go like, I think Sarah actually liked Scantron tests, or maybe just like sc- tests in general. I mean, maybe I like- loved like a good algebra test, but like, doesn't everyone? <laughs> No. <laughs> I feel like I was always really paranoid with scantrons that I wasn't filling the bubble in correctly. I was like, really scared, but it- they make it such a big deal. Like that, like the amount of time that they spend telling you, like that you could be doing it wrong, like is nerve wracking. Got to be dark enough. It has to be in the lines. It can't just be a line through it. You can't just circle it. And shade yes. it in and then it would have the example of like not like this and then it would be all just like haphazardly colored but I do believe that there are some people that liked scantrons did you Natasha I liked school so you could say scantrons (laughs) wait can I break this question down like are you asking like do we like filling in a little bubble with a number two pencil or like are you asking like do we like multiple choice or do we like like the I'm a little bit older than you guys. So I don't know if you remember a time when tests were not necessarily Scantron tests, but I lived in an era where they weren't. And then suddenly they were like suddenly Scantrons appeared as like a new thing. And it was like traumatic because you took something called a test, which was anxiety inducing enough and not at all a real calibration of whether or not you're smart or good at things just have you memorized this suite of information in this particular way and then you made it even more like automated and less personal and less um just like abstract and open to interpretation and so I remember like when the scantron came on I was just like this is getting worse and worse and worse (laughs) So did you like, would you like prefer like an essay question test? When you say that, it doesn't give me the same feelings. Yeah, I think I probably would prefer an essay test. You have a lot more. You express herself and be given the room to really get to the point, but in her own time, you know? Exactly, exactly. I, I like writing, like in college, I liked writing essays. I don't know if we had Scantron tests in college, but in high school... I mean, I think the benefit of a Scantron test is that you, if you don't know the answer, you, you can guess and then you have 25 usually percent chance of getting it right. I mean, that's but all that's multiple not, choice. That's inherently frustrating because it just points out to even more to the fact that it has nothing to do with whether or not you're actually smart, whether you know the information. So you could potentially get a better grade because you've just guessed like... That's yeah, bullshit. that's a great point. I mean, I got really good grades and I learned nothing in high school. So, I mean, yeah. I got really bad grades and I learned nothing in high school. 
Also in college, I took a math class for liberal arts majors in particular that was like all like essay questions. (laughs) So you were like, the Pythagorean theorem, it just makes me feel this sort of way. Yeah, it just makes me think like, okay, Pythagoras was Greek, which makes me think of Euros, which makes me think of Lamb, which makes it was just me like word association <laughs> math. <laughs> so Euros plus Lamb equals Greece. Yes, exactly. Not... So are you guys excited to talk about Big Friendship, this book we read? <laughs> yeah, we are. So I, I... What I something that I love about our podcast is that there's so many different like we love talking about friendship, but there are a lot of different like lenses to look through. There are a lot of different backdrops to use to talk about it. Um, sort of like a, a prompt, if you will, an essay prompt, podcast essay yes. prompt. <laughs> that gives me more anxiety than, but seems like you love it because your eyes are like glowing. Yeah. Like an essay prompt. Yes. You have time to explain yourself. You don't have this just like short window where you have to get it perfect. You can really like slow down. And, you know, one of the essay prompts that we're very excited about is this book, Big Friendship by Aminatu So and Anne, what's her last name? Friedman. Anne Friedman. And they have a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend. I should not be the one explaining this because I'm the latest to this party, I think. Uh, So I'll let one of you guys take over. I don't listen to the podcast either. (laughs) How do you? Oh, okay. I was like, how did we find (laughs) out about this book then? Uh, I've been listening to to the podcast for maybe two or three years. Um, yeah, it, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, I was first drawn to it because my friends and I are obsessed with Robin, my best friends from the East coast. So they were like, Oh, look, this podcast is named after a Robin song and is about long distance best friends, just like we are. So I started listening based on that and just really come to, came to love their voices. They remind me a lot of some of my East Coast friends who are just like I moved here from Washington D.C. ten years ago, and people in D.C. are very specific. They know a lot about government and politics, obviously, and they're very sharp and they're very engaged, and they use big words very casually. And um, their friendship, you know, started when they were in the the DC area working together. And so there's something about them that makes me feel nostalgic. Um, and that's kind of like why, what kind of grabbed me at first. Um, and then I actually got to meet Gina Delvac, their producer at one point. I had her as a guest for a workshop that I held on how to boost your side hustle at the Women's Center for Creative Work in Los Angeles. Um, and they're just people, I mean... I just super admire them. They're incredibly smart, incredibly like motivated, um, you know, women with a platform and they use it. And I think, I think their podcast is super interesting. And so, yeah, when they decided to, when they came out with a book, of course, I was going to read it. And I'm so happy that we're all reading it together or that we have read it at this point slash listen to it. I mean, what's really cool if you're listening to our podcast and just learning about big friendship for the first time. And by the way, the book, the full title of the book is 
big friendship, how we keep each other close. Um, and yeah, it's really, really cute. You might hear my phone in the background because I just accidentally played my audio or my audible. Um, but if you listen to it on audible, they actually read it, which is a super huge treat, especially if you love the podcast. So yeah, we read this book. I loved it. I got so much out of it. I don't know. How did you feel? Let's talk about maybe our general thoughts. And then um, I know that we have some specific themes and chapters that really jumped out at us. So maybe we can get into those. But what did you think sort of generally about this book? I really liked it. I, I, I think the thing I liked the most about it, or it felt like, I liked how they spoke with other like, quote unquote, experts, and it kind of opened my eyes to literature or like books or scholars that specialize in this subject, which really like thrills me. I sound like such a loser. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, this don't. is a book by nerds for nerds. <laughs> such an academic, like it really thrills me to learn literature available. <laughs> well, it was cool that they, I mean, they didn't just speak generally from their own experiences or they were genuinely interested in broader themes of friendship and, you know, the kind of like sociology behind it and the psychology behind it. And so they turned to the experts, which was really awesome. And I think also a big part of their friendship is kind of intellectual pursuits. And they talked about that in the book too, that there sometimes are these friend groups. And this is the kind of thing that I very much found in DC that maybe like the LA equivalent would be like improv is like when you find a group of people who are just really, really engaged, like intellectually or politically or something like that. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that's just, that's how they are. So it was natural for them to reach out to experts and I'm glad you liked that part. I did too. It was cool. And it was, it was really cool. I listened to a lot of audiobooks, and I don't think I've ever heard like the experts that they've quoted, like spliced in. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that, that was, was a really, really neat cool. thing. What were you going to say more, Natasha? Or yeah, I was. I think also what I liked about it was with that intellectual aspect, it was taking this topic really seriously and holding it up to a standard that, like they said in the book we hold marriage to and, you know, familial relationships, but treating friendship as just as important, if not the most important, like, I feel like that resonated with me and with us. Um, and there's, I feel like there's another world in which two women who are really good friends, best friends could write a book together and it could be really very different. Like I can imagine, especially with all of a lot of the quote unquote feminist or girl power light uh, to, that things get sometimes, it could be really trivial. I feel like it could have not gone there. And um, I really appreciated that it didn't, it wasn't like, so like step one to a baller friendship, like go to brunch, like always go to brunch. You know, it could have been like that. <laughs> That's the book that we would write. A G T B always go to brunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, um, you know, bitches before 
sticks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it could have been like a bunch of like little quippy things like on like uh, that you write in like your composition notebook yeah, yeah. with like stickers all over it or something. Um, but it wasn't. Yeah, they took it really seriously. And I think at the same time, they also, they took that sillier stuff. Like, like let's say they had the equivalent of like, let's go to brunch. They would say like, I mean, not that, but like they would sort of be like, our thing was let's go to brunch. And the deeper meaning behind that was totally. we could get together and we could, you know, freely express our ideas or, or whatever. Like they even took like the, the kind of like quote unquote trivial components of friendship seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, what I, I think overall, my like overall biggest impression of it was just, you know, how did I personally relate or not relate to it? And I, something that I just thought was like so interesting as I was listening is like, there would be a part and they'd be talking and I'd be like, oh, I don't really like relate to this. And then all of a sudden the next sentence, I'm like, oh my gosh, exactly. Yes. Like they, there were so many things that I was like, wow, they're going so deep into something or they're, they're, you know, I think they studied friendship from like a a wide breadth too. <laughs> like they, they talked about so many different aspects of it but then they also like really pieced apart like the nuances of those different aspects um so it was like quite comprehensive and um you know I think anyone that would read the book would recognize like so much truth to it and at the same time it's so specific to them and the way that you know a lot of the you know sort of more physical elements of the friendship in terms of like things that actually happened and that they actually experienced together are were things that a lot of them that I didn't really relate to but and but also their mindset you know it was like sometimes I was like so with them and then other times I was like wow that's like not how I do friendship at all like so that was like really interesting too to kind of get a glimpse into the way that other people are like engaging with friends and think about friendship and like the role that it plays in their life specifically. So I think, you know, the word friend, and and this is, I think, what they talk about a lot too, is, um, you know, friend can mean so many different things, but we use that same word to mean all of those different things. So there isn't really language to talk about friendship in a way that, you know, maybe we would wish that there is. Um, And that's something that they really spoke to as well. Absolutely. And I loved how they, they were very, very specific and personal. Mm-hmm. And then they would kind of like zoom out, mm-hmm. you know, like you're talking about where they speak to experts or they'd speak more generally about like the different kinds of categories of, of friendship, like the dormant or the, what was the one that was like commemorative? Yeah. There was something like active dormant commemorative and I think that was a a different expert who had come up with those terms but um I'm always fascinated and this is what I'm fascinated about as we pursued this podcast too is like how personal to go and how relatable the personal details are going to be and it's like like you said Sarah like sometimes it's relatable sometimes it isn't you know but it sort of seems like the sum of all of those parts is that 
it's like a successful model. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's still good to share from your specific experiences because eventually they'll, someone will relate to them. Totally. So yeah. they defined a big friendship and I was trying to look it up, but maybe for our listeners, can we um, like summarize what they mean by a big friendship? So I took it to mean like the kind of friendship that has legs that you kind of want to work on that you, cause they compared friendship to marriage at times too, where they said like, you know, in a marriage, you kind of have to stay, which of course isn't true, but with a friendship, you kind of, you don't <laughs> like anyone can leave at any time. So there's almost, so for me, when I think of big friendship as they defined it, I think about this component of like, we choose to be in this relationship and we work on this relationship and we grow and change. And what did they say? Stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's like a commitment and it's something that grows. What did you all think? Yeah. And it, they also talked about coming up with the phrase big friendship and they didn't want to say like best friendship or yeah, because it's not about having one singular relationship or friendship that is better than all the rest or the, the one that you care about the most, that you can have multiple big friendships um, as long as you're committed to it, um, to those relationships and keeping them healthy. So that was, that was cool. Did you guys... Um... I don't know if we want to go into specifics about this, but but as you were listening, were you sort of like, were specific people sort of popping into your heads or in terms of either people that you're like, oh, that is a big friendship or, oh, that isn't a big friendship or or just, I don't know, like did, I feel like the whole time I was listening, I was, different friends based on what they were talking about would kind of like pop into my head as like, oh, that was kind of more like this person or this person. Yeah, especially the part of active dormant commemorative that Chelsea brought up. I was categorizing my friends into those places. And like, so active seems to be one that you you talk to that person frequently. At first, I thought it was someone you had to see all the time, but I, it, it sounded like that wasn't part of it, that you just had to uh, actively communicate with them and they're like you know what's going on with their life like pretty daily um and then dormant is someone that you probably don't check in with that often but the expectation is that oh like they're solid and if I ever wanted to talk to them again um we would just pick up where we left off and there would be no like um it wouldn't be weird um and commemorative seem seems to be friendships of the past that you've decided like, oh yeah, I used to be friends with that person, but you're not, you don't know what's going on with them anymore and you don't really care to find out (laughs) necessarily. So commemorative seemed, I think a lot of, a lot of like elementary school friendships feel like commemorative to me. Mm -hmm. And you just think back on them fondly, like, oh, that was my you know, kindergarten best friend or something like that. And then dormant. I feel like my dormant friends, a lot of people I went to college with 
are probably dormant. Um, I found that I feel like I have a, an in-between between active and dormant. I don't know what I would call it, but like, I feel like I talk to them pretty frequently or like, I think social media really skews things. Um, I can't remember that. I think they did talk about that in, in the book or maybe I was listening to something else where they you did talk about social media a lot, but I don't know if it was like, yeah. Saying. Yeah, I know. I think you're it is what I was talking about, where you go to their page and you look at their pictures or you're you're watching their Instagram stories and you're like, okay, like I watch their stories whenever they post them, so I know what's going on. So that was an interesting aspect. But I, I feel like for me, yeah, I feel like there's an in-between between active and dormant. What do you guys think? Like I have my my best friends from high school. Mary, Fiona, and Allie, and I have you guys. And I feel like I check in and talk to you more than I talk to them, but I don't, I wouldn't consider them dormant. So it's like, we're not, we don't live in the same place and we don't have a chance to see each other. So it feels less, I feel like I talk to them less, but I might talk to them about different things than I talk to you guys about on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that with like my college friends, I would say, at the moment. Um, and I've definitely had that, you know, like with Sasha, I feel like we've gone through periods of sort of dormancy. But um, yeah, I guess dormant feels very, in some ways, very, not final, but very, uh, like, I'm actively, like, sort of not talking to them at the moment. Um, yeah. But that's not necessarily, I don't know, like, it feels like it could come out of dormancy at any moment. Yeah, um, which maybe the word dormancy doesn't fully capture. I felt like there were a couple there were a couple things that stood out to me as things that I very much like didn't relate to. Is that okay to talk about now? Okay, cool. Um <laughs> the first I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. The first was um they sort of talked about they sort of talked about like I don't almost like a checklist of qualities that they would like need a friend to be able to check off. Um, I don't know that they necessarily use that language, but sort of being like, well, I would need, you know, friends to be like this and this and this, and they would have to have like, you know, this quality and not be like, I think one of the things was like, be actively like trying to hang out or something or like actively like making plant. I don't know. There was something about that. Um, and that really remind, I realized like, I don't have that at all with friendships, but it reminds me a lot of how I would be with like a romantic relationship. Like, I feel like I've made like endless checklists <laughs> of how I would want, um, a romantic partner to be, or how I would want like a romantic relationship to be. But I feel like I go into friendships more open and I don't think I have any like active requirements for friends because I feel like since there's no limit on the number of friends that I can have, um, I can have a wide array and it's fine. That's a good point. I texted a group chat about something on Friday, Mm -hmm. like trying to coordinate a hang for next week. And nobody got back to me until today. One person did and the other person hasn't responded. 
And I like don't care, never thought about it once. Like real like understand that the other person will get back to me eventually. But like if it was a guy in a relationship scenario, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like he hasn't gone back to me. Like <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like, yeah, what are our what are our standards of friendship? Like we almost don't necessarily require friends to show up like as consistently or something. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I wouldn't even know how to, you know, I could probably, if I really sat down to like think about it and be like, okay, what do all, what are the qualities that all my friends have? And like, what would I expect them to have? And I could put a lot of thought into it, I think, but I also like have no desire to do that at all. Well, I wonder though, cause they're talking about big friendships maybe you're, it sounded to me, it sounded to me like you were talking about friendship in general, someone I could be friends with that person, Mm -hmm. but we're talking about big friendship, close, super close friendship. Then I think for me, it does. I mean, I don't look for a standard, but I think it, it naturally meets that standard. Like when I think about when you and I first met and I really wanted to be your friend I tried to hang out with you. And if I didn't try, or if you didn't try, then we probably wouldn't be as close or I wouldn't feel like we were as close of friends. Um, there are so many people that I've always wanted to be friends with that I'm, I'm not that close with them because either I never made that move or I did and it just never like was accepted enough or like, you know, there's people that you want to be really close with that don't see that for you on the other side. Interesting. I feel like I don't relate to that. I mean, I, not that I can't like relate to it at all, but I feel like there are some people like, you know, now I can think of like certain people at the theater who I'm like, Oh, I would want to be friends with that person, but it doesn't, it's not a big enough desire that I would put any energy into it. Like it would be like, if it happened, like, I feel like I kind of approach friendship as like, if it happens, it happens. And, you know, it just happens naturally. Like I don't put, I mean, I've definitely had periods of time where I like didn't have friends and I actively like wanted friends and was like, how do I make friends? Like this sucks. Um, but when I'm actually engaging with people, like, I don't think like my quote unquote big friendships, you know, I wasn't going, I wasn't noticing their qualities as we were becoming close and developing big friendships. Um, but after the fact, I can say like, oh, I guess like this, you know, is a contributing factor. This is a contributing factor, but was never a thought in my mind along the way, the way that it would be with a guy where I'm like, well, he's like funny, but he's like a little guarded and he's like sort of inconsistent with texting. Like, you know, like where you're like, (laughs) like analyzing every single, you know, personality, quality and quirk and measuring like is this gonna work for me like that's never something that I do not maybe not never but like usually not something that I do with like with friendships at all regardless of whether they're big or small (laughs) there are no big small friendships only small friends friends (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I mean on the sort of reverse 
Hmm. or contrapositive side of that. Contrapositive. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> is that a real word? I'm into it. It's a math word, but I don't actually remember what it is. There's like the inverse, <laughs> the converse, and the contrapositive. Contrapositive. <laughs> I love that. We'll have to look it up. If any of our listeners knows what contrapositive is, please email us at thenashpodcast at gmail.com. We will not Google it. <laughs> Pregnancy test. Has I'm, anyone... I'm not negative, but I'm, I'm contrapositive. I know about the situation in Iran in the 80s. I'm contrapositive. Yeah. Was that the 90s? The 80s. I, the 80s. Ah, oh, shit. Edit out the part where I didn't remember when it was. Anyway. Um, Wait. Uh, like, have you guys ever made a new friend in your adulthood in a big city and you managed to get together and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe we did this. We actually did it. We got together. Yeah. It like seems like a miracle. Yeah. And you're just like so happy that you can't even actually believe that you made the time and made the effort and like picked a place and went to it. And then you had so much fun. Like, Yeah. Maybe, honestly, um, maybe it's also... Because I was thinking, Sarah, that at least right now you you feel pretty you might feel pretty settled with your friendship. So you're not like categorizing all the interactions you have with people because you don't really care because you have enough like going on. But also it seems like from their perspective when they were in DC, this Chelsea, like uh contrapositively contradict me if you want. Um, but it sounds like such a crazy, like cutthroat uh, world where everyone's so busy and they're like competing on how busy they are. So yeah. if you're making effort, then you're like, whoa, this person is going to cut a little chunk out of their super busy life. So I guess I'll cut a little chunk out of my super busy life and we'll forge a friendship against all odds, which is very different from Los Angeles where you're just like, well, in Los Angeles, it's like, like I just got together with friends. One is in Culver City. The other one is in Los Feliz. That, that's crazy. That's insane. We actually like made time. I mean, I hadn't seen this one couple in maybe like three or four years. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, like, yeah, that, I mean, so I think in LA, that's, we have traffic and distance and driving. Yeah. As opposed to like, the sense of being so busy. I mean, that is a huge thing in DC. Everyone's so busy and there's a competition to see who stays at work the latest and it's just mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. I think well, that I, was, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mitigate that by cutting off all friendships when they move outside of West LA. So there's that. I mean, I that's... Who lives on the East side now and I'm like, okay. Bye. You might as well live in Mars. <laughs> We're going to try this out. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was one of the things that I also didn't, which wasn't the other one on my list, but that I also sort of didn't relate to is that that busyness and that very, you know, I think Aminatu and Anne are very, and their friend group, it seems like, are very ambitious and very career oriented. And I'm I not feel like, yeah, I feel like me and... I mean, not that, you know, my friends don't care about career at, at all, but I don't feel like that is the number one thing that drives us. Um, so the talk of competition and of course I've experienced feeling competitive and jealous and all of that with friends, but not 
specifically around work, really. I mean, not not completely without jealousy or something like that, but not in the same way where it's like we're all like these like high powered like career people. Like I feel like that has like a very specific energy that I just don't that's not really like in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I really liked about what they shared in the book that I also got from their podcast is talking about money mm. and how I mean not to encourage Anne to ask for a hundred thousand um, dollar salary. And I just, I loved that. I feel like we don't do that enough as women, like talk specifically about money and talk about negotiating salaries. And that that was like a very specific like window into how career really plays a role in their friendship. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I, I just, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, whereas like, I feel like for us, like the role that career plays in our friendship and like in most of my friendships is more about like the relationships that we're experiencing at work. <laughs> like yeah. it's still more about relationship, not that like money or ambition doesn't come up, but I, it doesn't feel like we're like a particularly like career ambitious bunch, I guess. Yeah, I would agree. That's not I don't a- want to speak for you guys, but <laughs> it's not a common, I wouldn't say it's a common thread of our, of our friendship. I think I'm pretty career oriented, honestly, but yeah. I don't really like talk about my career with you guys that much. Yeah, that's true. I feel like we have talked a lot about a lot about side hustles and things like that and your own projects and those kind of like creative endeavors. Like I feel like creative endeavors are something that are Yeah, because I mean, I think we're about. all creative people. Right. Yeah. But I don't really get into, I mean, I don't, and I think Natasha, you don't really share like a lot of details about your job. Yeah, sometimes I talk to Sarah about it, but I'm like, look, I don't think you're going to know what I'm talking about, but I just need to get this off my chest. But Sarah has really helped me sometimes like figure out how I'm thinking about something. But definitely, yeah, it's not like I got to update you guys every day or every other day about like, well, this thing happened at work and it totally rocked my world. Like, that's not really what I find important about um, our conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like related to this, I wanted to mention, they talk about this shine theory. This is a big part of the book or a big, I guess, an idea that came out of their podcast, um, which to me boils down to women supporting other women. Like, Yeah, it's uh, like when I shine, you shine. Yeah. But for me, maybe you guys can help me out. I, I have not trouble, but... Shine theory just it, it it like Sarah was saying it sounds like it's very applicable to business relationships but I don't really understand why we're talking about it in the context of friendship um, because have you friend- ever been in a situation where one of you has gotten something and the other one hasn't like any friendship I mean I'm thinking of a specific situation. <laughs> Like, I mean, I think like we improvise together, like we, like we could be in a scenario where like someone gets on a team and someone else doesn't, or like somebody, yeah, I mean, you could get a huge raise tomorrow, Natasha, and I might not. And so how do I step 
aside, why, how do I put aside my own feeling of lack or like, I'm never going to make enough money to support you. Or like, if you get something in improv, if you get like a part that you're trying to get, or you get on a team that you're trying to get or on, or you're, you get some kind of I mean, yeah, maybe it does speak to oppor- to somebody getting opportunities. Like, I think that jealousy and like this notion of like, like there's a pie and everybody should have this like equal amount is sort of like out there, like this like idea of fairness. And I think it's, I do think it's like especially prevalent among women. Like I have seen in a lot of my female relationships, just like, the propensity towards jealousy if somebody gets something that you don't get. And so I, something I really like about it is just like, it's like, no, it's not about that. It is, it's about supporting and recognizing like there's no pie. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there's no pie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree that it's a good theory and, or it's a good practice. I guess I just, I, I don't, it sounds so like, it sounds really career driven or like you said, opportunity driven um, that it doesn't feel, I don't think about my friendships in that context. So I, I, it, it feels like a business theory to me. It doesn't feel like a, a friendship theory to me. Natasha, what if we're at the farmer's market? And there's only one fig yogurt left. <laughs> you can have it, Natasha. I'll get apricot. <laughs> what if that's the last yogurt? There's not even another option. You can have it. Sarah <laughs> <laughs> will always give it to me. <laughs> um, and not feel jealous because Sarah... not shine through? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one that came up with the... I don't know. Example. Um, Yeah, I I kind of had a similar reaction where I was trying to kind of figure out like, how does this fit into my life experience? And when have I enacted this or not? I feel like, and maybe this is how you feel too, Natasha. I'm not sure. But I, I, I feel like it's very natural for me to want to support my friends. I don't think I've ever like been in a situation where my jealousy outweighs my support for my friendships. Um, And I feel like they're not necessarily like tied. Like I feel like I can simultaneously be jealous or be sad about something. Like I, I mean, and, and still be happy for the friend who got the thing. And I feel like part of, I think sort of who, who I am is like supporting people's creativity and supporting people's projects. And in some ways, maybe that, um, <laughs> I was just watching pen 15 and there was a part where they're like getting into a play or not, you know, getting a part in a play or not. And I was thinking, I haven't had that many friendships where we wanted the exact same thing. Like, I think that's maybe part of it is that I often have had friendships in all different, you know, like most, like you know, for example, in, in college, like all my friends were in different majors. Like there just wasn't a lot of like one on one to one competition anywhere. 
maybe it would come up more with like guys or something like that fights for (laughs) partnership but I also when I was like in fifth grade like I have like a very vivid memory like I liked the same guy that my friend liked and I right away it was like you can have it like I did what I did with the yogurt like I'm just like like, your personality though yeah I guess so (laughs) like I'd rather I'd rather give it up than have a conflict about it you know it's I nothing feels important enough to like fight about it I'm not a very compet like maybe that's also part of it I'm not a very competitive person like I don't really have a very competitive bone in my body so I mean yeah maybe it's also personality but I also feel like maybe people who are more more ambitious or career oriented maybe also are more competitive like maybe that's there's a connection there I don't know am I a sociologist I don't know am I an anthropologist I don't know the difference and I, I might be a psychologist but you know I just wanted to quickly read from Anne and Aminatu's definition from Mm. shinetheory.com. Mm -hmm. Shine theory is a practice of mutual investment in each other. It's an investment over the long term and helping someone be their best self and relying on their help in return. It is a conscious decision to bring your full self to your friendships and to not let insecurity or envy ravage them. Shine theory is a commitment to asking. Would we be better as collaborators than as competitors? The answer is almost always yes. Yeah, so that's interesting. I, I love the first part of that. And I feel like that really resonates with me. The competitors versus collaborators doesn't really make sense to me as a concept because it wouldn't occur to me to become a competitor with my friends. I'm perfect. So if anyone wants to be my friend out there, I'm a perfect that's friend. True. And... <laughs> But sorry, I feel like I just like dominated a lot of airtime. So I would like to hand over. I would like to wait. What do they say? I would like to give my mic time to someone else. What do they say in those like public? (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. I yield my time. I yield my time. (laughs) Do you hear that? I yield my time because I'm very sharing and caring person. More about how you're not going to talk anymore and you're going to give your time to someone else. I yield my time and my fig yogurt. (laughs) And my boyfriend. Sarah, I want you to take some things for yourself. Well, none of you are getting this great dress that I'm wearing. Can I get it in your will? Sure. Um, Yeah. Before this, all the momentum dies. Thanks for that. Um, I did. I feel the same as Sarah. I liked the, I, I am committed to showing up 100% and helping my friends be the best versions of themselves and not being led by insecurities. Um, I think, yeah, it's, yeah, but that, that feels very natural to me. Um, but definitely in like a, like a work friendship scenario, I would love to apply shine theory and be like, I'm not going to get upset if my colleague friend gets a raise. Um, like if, if in the example between you and I, Chelsea, you and I are in totally different spheres. So I would celebrate if you got a raise or an opportunity and it has no reflection on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a great theory. Yeah. And I wonder, um, I don't know, maybe now that it's out there, maybe you'll see it more. 
Maybe it'll be one of those things, like not necessarily in your own friendships, but I mean, I've definitely recognized like just dumb things where I've had to like unfollow people on like LinkedIn and stuff where I just feel like actually there was a, a recent situation where I was feeling myself getting like jealous and it, it was a person who has a very similar um, like business to mine. And mm. I just don't, I don't agree with how she handles herself or the way that she goes about these concepts. And, and for a while I would see her posts and I was practicing shine theory and trying to say, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to shine without her, you know, there's no pie, all this stuff. And then finally I just unfollowed her. I was like, I can't handle these emotions that come up when I see these posts. So can I ask that's it? That's an option too. Is she a good friend or like, no, she's friend? not a friend. Oh, she's actually a former uh, employer in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I will say, you know, as you're saying that I'm like, well, I have definitely felt that, especially with people that I'm not actually close with. I think there's something that changes when I'm interacting with people more one-on-one and when I'm actually having like a close interpersonal relationship with someone, then if there's someone who I like don't know that well, who I could become jealous of, who I can also project a lot onto them (laughs) because I'm not actually getting the feedback of like who they really are. Um, if I'm seeing them only on social media or something like that. I think there are definitely people in our community. I mean, I can think of five off the top of my head that we talk about (laughs) (laughs) that maybe if we were being like more, like more evolved Zen women, we would probably just say like, I'm guilty of this too. Like just let her shine, like let her do her thing. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's, you know, part of like keeping women down. Right to gossip about them (laughs) like instead what if we were just like yeah you know she's out there getting hers and that's great yeah I'm I mean I would I feel like you can be critical of someone and and still be supportive at the end of the day I'm not gonna I feel like gossip is also also like laced with inherent negativity like I like to discuss people and share thoughts on like an opinions. But if I were ever put in a situation where it was like, I was on a, on mission improbable, there's not that many women on that show. I would any day, like support them, champion them, no matter what I feel about them, like interpersonally, it's really important to me that they perform and that they like represent and I can tell that people in the audience notice that because oftentimes I would be the only woman in the cast that night and some drunk girl would be like, you know, like women, you were the, you were the one, like you were great. And I was like, cool, thank you. <laughs> and that's like, that's very important. Uh, so I, I don't feel like I, us like maybe, like making jokes about someone uh, means that we're not at the end of the day, like being supportive. And I would, I would say to your example, Chelsea, that you decided you don't like the way she conducts herself or whatever, like that's valuable. That's a, that's a critique that you can hold and you're also unfollow her. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that like, that's like unfollowing her is, is, was the best choice because I realized I just had, I like, that was the best way for me to like, let her shine too. Cause like, like she can fully go and do her own thing and I wish her all the best, but I just don't want to see her stuff. Yeah. And I feel like there's, you know, in some ways when we do comparisons with each other, it's like sometimes in some ways that can be helpful because it helps us know, it helps us to know who we are when we reflect against other people to be like, okay, I like that. I don't like that. I, this is how I want to be. This is how I don't want to be. And it kind of helps, I think, shape us and helps us to know how we want to be and how we want to conduct ourselves. And then sometimes it gets to a point where it's like, we don't want to be influenced by something or we don't, you know, it, where it's drawing our attention away from being authentic to ourselves by giving our attention and focus to someone else, especially if they're doing something that's similar to us. Like, I think that's, that's definitely when I've experienced the most jealousy slash like sometimes judgment is when people are doing things that are similar to things that I do or similar things, similar to things that I want to do. And maybe I feel like, you know, how come they're doing a good job at it and I'm not, or, and then there's like, well, I could be better, you know, like it, it goes spirals into lots of kinds of thoughts. But the, the, at the end of the day, I think to recognize that it's really coming from ourselves and it's not really about the other person at all is the important thing. And I feel like that's what we all do because we're perfect. <laughs> In conclusion, we are perfect. Is there anything you want to talk about, Chelsea, that we haven't talked about yet? So yeah, the part that really got me and I'm still like trying to process why this got me so hard, but the part where they're talking about the desert ladies trip was such a roller skate roller coaster <laughs> for me. Um, like at first when they started talking about planning this desert, like I love Joshua Tree. I'm planning a ladies getaway for my birthday in the next few weeks. We'll do a getaway for Sarah's birthday soon. And like, I love these little trips. And I found myself like feeling really jealous at first that they were like going on this trip and like feeling like, oh my God, my trip planning skills aren't as good as this. And like anything I plan is never going to be this good. And then as it got to be like bigger and bigger and bigger, I like hated it. It made me feel so anxious. Like the idea of it suddenly becoming this like giant thing with like 50 women with all these moving parts. Like I think it suddenly felt like, because it became so much like work too. Even hearing them talk about how they're like, we're suddenly spreadsheets and -and so-and-so is the point person for this. And you know, sometimes Anne would be out of town. So all emails were fielded to Aminatu and I'm just like, God, like kill me. Like, I mean, maybe because like I plan events, like for, for my work, I was just like, this does not feel like fun at all. And I mean, it ended up being in many ways, really unfun. And I mean, I ended up like not going, which like, she was one of the core people. Like it just, it, I'm still sort of like processing why it like upset me so much, <laughs> but it like really upset me. I think maybe also cause like I'm very conflict averse as well. And just the notion of like people, I didn't like that since there were 50 people, there really were, 
was just so much more of an opportunity for people that you didn't really get along with or like that much to be there. <laughs> so I was just like, this sounds like hell. <laughs> That's interesting that you really, it seems like you put yourself there. You're like, they invited me. This was awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the for, what I took from that was wanting to mix different groups of people because you want everyone you love to be together um, and feeling like you can't control how everyone will feel about each other and that producing anxiety. Been there, been there. <laughs> awful feeling, totally awful. Basically ruined my trip to Europe. <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah. Sarah, did you, did that part like resonate with you at all or were you, you were just like, whatever? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like a lot of work. It's definitely not. I mean, I've been to parties where there were like, like I went to a party, there was like 35 people there or whatever. Um, I've been to a 35 person party. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) But it was like a small, like at my friend's house in Maine. 35 person get together. (laughs) Super small. I just mean like... (laughs) I just mean like you could have like a big like ballroom party where it's like, you know, the parties like go up to that many people, but this was like a getaway, like everyone's going to Maine party and there's 30 35 people. person getaway. Ah! And people are like, you know, sleeping over and hanging out and stuff, whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, it seems really hard to negotiate the logistics of that. I think I'm not that great at it. Luckily, I didn't have to negotiate any logistics um, about it. And I think in that group of people, there just was like, it was also not all girls. Like, I feel like there might also be something to that where it was like all women. Um, And I I mean, I think, so I think in some ways this sort of speaks to another thing that I wanted to bring up, which was what seems to be like a very performative element of their friendships where everything is about like how the friendship looks. And I think part of what got in the way is that there was a lot put on it. It was like, this is a getaway. We're going as like all platonic friends and women and we do what we want and we take our shirts off and we howl till the moon. And, um, oh, yeah, this was the thing where they said like, no one can have, there can be no like sexual tension. Right. Yeah. Like I, it feels like, <laughs> no, it feels like putting any rules, like, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, it was weird. It was a weird, like juxtaposition of like, we're going to howl at the moon and not wear our, wear shirts but like, like we're going to do these like really like wild, um, like unfettered things, but there's going to be like, like we have to do them and it's a rule that you have to do them. Yeah. And it feels like anytime you kind of try to control anything is when things go terribly wrong. And I think one of the great things about, you know, this Maine trip that I was talking about is anytime we go to Maine and I can't, maybe for me as like a guest, it's way different than like the person who's hosting, but there aren't really like that many rules. Like people know to be respectful, but there aren't necessarily like lots of expectations around what it's going to be. And the thing, like we're not like creating something. We're just like going there to like enjoy ourselves and eat delicious food and be together and drink and what, like see what happens. And I feel like 
something that that kind of I a vibe I guess of their friendship and throughout the book was this sort of these rules like again it kind of comes back to that checklist I was talking about that doesn't fully make sense to me to apply to friendships there's like sort of these elements of control and also of of wanting your friendship to appear a certain way like I feel like they talked a lot about that too of like we dress alike and we have matching tattoos and we have a podcast about our friendship because we think that our friendship is so amazing that other people would want to like care about our friendship, <laughs> which obviously people do. Um, but that very much re- like reminds me of like high school. I was definitely much more performative, I think, about my friendships in high school, wearing like, you know, breast friend necklaces and breast th- friends breast friends <laughs> necklaces they were just two we each had one boob <laughs> um and that's like actually a really good idea yes no one steal that <laughs> uh write it down tm you heard it here first nosh podcast breast um, friends and just thinking that you know people really cared about like our friendship and that our friendship was like this thing looking at our friendship rather than like being in the friendship, I guess, which, yeah, I just feel like I've sort of in some ways like grown out of, I don't mean to say that, um, in like a negative way to them or whatever, but yeah, that was just my impression. Yeah. It was interesting how the getaways were like, it started like pretty organically Mm -hmm. and that was actually part of what was so great about it was that it was kind of random and it was just like, we're all going to go to the desert. And then it became this complicated thing that was like branded like desert ladies. Mm -hmm. Even that like suddenly had a name. Mm -hmm. Gave me a lot of anxiety and I didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. She turned it off in the car. (laughs) I was like, I cannot listen to this. Sarah and I were listening to it in the car and I was like, I can't, I I can't listen to this right now. It's awful. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, part of that, when I think of, you know, your birthday or something, it's like, we want to just go some, somewhere and the like the kind of the vibe I get also just from it being like, ah, how do we even like pick an Airbnb is like, we want it to be easy. We just want to be able to relax. And it's hard to relax when you're worried about what everyone thinks and making sure everyone's having a good time and is invited and like I don't know just all the logistics that come and obviously that's like more and more with more with more people so I think like another really really huge thing which I don't know how how deeply we want to get into it because it's a gigantic topic Mm. and um was the race Mm -hmm. thing I mean I thought it was hugely important that they talked about interracial friendships Mm -hmm. how did you all what was your reaction to the party when Aminatu came to Anne's party or it was a friend of Anne's party at Anne's house which is maybe an important distinction maybe not and there were no other black people there and Mm -hmm. Amina felt really hurt and alienated and was really upset yeah it made me think about how many parties I've had with no black people I mean I don't have a single good female black friend. Like, I don't. I even started thinking like, because when I first started thinking about this, I was like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I know a lot of black women. And it's like, I follow them on Instagram. Like I, 
when you look at my birthday parties, when you look at any of my parties, like they're, I mean, I, I know like a handful of black men. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to talk about, but it's, it's true. I don't, I don't have a lot of black people in my circle. And it really made me think like, why don't I, like, I need to be more intentional about having a diverse friend group. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel the same. And I, I feel like that's sort of one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't, this isn't really something that I've, I've dealt with in my friendships, the racial piece. Like I don't have a very diverse group of friends, especially, you know, close female friends. It, don't, it didn't really sort of occur to me that mm-hmm. it could be something that I could actually go out of my way to make sure happens. For me, I've, I'm now I'm, I'm trying not to discount another person based on my perception of our differences. Yeah. Like, I think that might have subconsciously driven me in the past, especially in element, well, let's say middle school or high school. Um, Cause I feel like in elementary school, I had like a lot of friends of diverse backgrounds, but once you like start to really think about like your social circle or like fitting in, you, I feel like those things can get in the way where you see a person and you're like, oh, but especially like in my high school, let's say a lot of the black population at my school was bussed in. So I'd be like, oh, they have a different home life than me. Um, that makes us so different. It would be really hard to be friends. Mm-hmm. So different. Um, but ever since I started <laughs> trying to be anti-racist, I'm not going to say I blossomed all my friendships. I have so many black friends now, but trying to just be more aware of clocking like a difference and then to be like, okay, that doesn't mean that I know that person. It doesn't mean that we can't be friends or that I can predict all of our interactions just based on this perception. I need to like, just let that go and just go into that coffee shop without any preconceived notions. Um, so I can't tell you. Um, yeah, I think that's how I am approaching it now, but it's also, we're literally, we're literally quarantined. Like <laughs> there's nothing we can do about um, really like to at least meet new people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've developed some closer work friendships and that I didn't have before quarantine because of I've like kind of I've tried to open myself up more to just like you're you're not perfect Natasha you don't know everyone and how they are even though you think you're so intuitive and empathetic empathetic doesn't mean shit like just talk to whomever and like see what happens so wait are you talking about a perception that someone might not like you or will think of you as being different. I feel like I'm not quite following what you're saying. I have to just be honest. (laughs) I think I'm saying that I would stop myself. Subconsciously, I think I would stop myself from developing interracial friendships because of my perception that we're so different. So I'm not really talking about how they perceive of me, but I think it's related to that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense or do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That's interesting. It's interesting. I, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think, yeah, I, I just think subconsciously that could come into play um, and make me think like, oh, we probably like, I I really like this kind of music. I like these movies. I like these TV shows. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about pop culture. Mm-hmm. Or like my family relationship is like this. Theirs is probably like this, this, this. So we have nothing to talk about. So I'm not even going to engage. Yeah. I can't think of times I've been, that I've done that, I guess, consciously, or you're saying it's subconscious too, um, about with race. But I, but I think with age, I definitely do. And, and with, gender I think I also really do like I definitely do not seek out male friends the way that I do with women I don't get close to them I don't get close to men the way that I do with women I think I'm I actively sort of in some ways it's like subconscious but I'm conscious that it's happening um that I do that with with both age and and gender but it makes me think like I probably, I'm sure like I probably have done that with race as well. But I think the other thing along with the racial interracial relationship that they are talking about and experiencing in the book is also chronic illness in a friendship, which is also something that I've never experienced. So yeah. And the way that Aminatu wasn't very forthcoming about her illness or how she was feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, was having a hard time being really open about what was going on with her body. Mm -hmm. And yeah, how it's hard to be there for someone who's going through something so massive and outside of their control. Yeah. And what would it be like to be friends with someone who you're like really close to and suddenly they have like very different energy levels or it's like you can't do the things that you always do together and the strain that that would put on a relationship and changing it and how do you be there for each other anyway and and put each other above like I think definitely when I was younger not not maybe with like chronic illness or something but with varied energy levels and things like that wanting to kind of put the fun above the friendship um, and being like, okay, well, if you are depressed and you can't go out then, or sick and you can't go out, like I still want to go out because, um, I want to have fun and putting that above like maybe what the, that particular friend needs or like, this isn't exactly like they didn't really talk about this necessarily in the book, but just relating it to my own experience. I would like to think I maybe wouldn't do that as much now, but I honestly think that's only because. I don't like do well, all that many fun things. <laughs> what did you say, Natasha? Like to go out? <laughs> yeah, like I'm less enticed by the party now. Sometimes. Yeah, and uh, I think with interracial friendship, to just close the loop on what I was Sorry, saying. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I think if I have that subconscious like decision-making then that'll also affect like the like social situations that I put myself in. So I might not go to a certain event or party or something like that. If I don't think that I will like make connections with people and it could be based on like racial prejudice that I'm not, that I wasn't aware of, Mm. or also the spaces that I'm in are pretty much white spaces. So 
like we do improv. There's a huge issue with just diversity in improv or in comedy. Um, and maybe I, because of that, I'm not going out of my way to put myself in situations with people that are different from me. So I'm not making those friendships. Mm -hmm. I think anyone who's happened to be in like the improv community, I have a greater chance of becoming friends with them because they're already in my lane. And that person likely had to choose to go into that space and like, okay, well, I'm going to, if I want to do comedy, then I have to hang out with a bunch of white people, take all these classes, do all these things that they require of me. And that's the way that the system is built. So they're already like putting themselves out there and lucky for me that if I happen to like meet them and develop a friendship with them because they already took the time. So I feel like I don't actively put myself in situations where I won't be with a bunch of white people. So therefore I don't have a lot of interracial friendships. Yeah. I relate to yeah. that a lot. I just really appreciate that book, this book for like m- making me think about this and making us talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like I think about this, like, I, I just think, yeah, even that awareness of like, holy shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't have close black women friends. Like just being, just having that awareness and knowing that I want to be open to that. Yeah. So what, does anyone have any, let's do final, final thoughts or just one last thing you want to get in, if anything about big friendship? I thought it was amazing that they went to couples therapy together. I would love to do that. (laughs) Let's do it. I know I can think of one friend that I would love to go to therapy with. This is the second group of friends. There's another podcast where on my favorite murder they talk about going also going to therapy together cool. which I think was interesting that was the first time I had ever heard about it was on my favorite murder and I thought oh my god that's amazing this idea I mean that those are both two situations where they're not only good friends but they're also colleagues um but it's that thing of saying this relationship is important enough that we feel that we really want to work through it and we need an expert. And I, I just thought that was really awesome. They definitely like do friendship. And I, I, I mean, the way that they express their friendship and talk about their friendship and have done their friendship, I think is so like valuable and offers so many lessons to like such a diverse group of people who might have a friend. <laughs> like, I feel like they can, they just can speak to so many people, even if not everything like speaks to you. Like they talk, they just did an amazingly like comprehensive job. I feel like. Um, I don't know if it's just cause I most recently listened to the end, but at the end, I feel like they gave a lot of fun examples of ways to stay connected with your friends. Like uh, the example of there's like a Google folder or I, let's just say a thread where you, uh, if you like your outfit, you post a picture. I thought that was really cute. And also sending one specific friend your, your plain itinerary, like having these like little cute <laughs> moments with individual friends or individual like groups that are just yours. Um, 
and the notion of commemorating like annually or having an event where you reflect on how far you've come. That sounded really fun to me. And I have that with certain groups, but not all. But I just really like the idea of like having these special moments of attention that you give to the other person or to the relationship so that you prove or like reaffirm that they're an important person in your life. I thought that was really nice. And we do that by having a podcast together. (laughs) We're perfect. We're ahead of the game. We're contra positive. Contra positive. (laughs) Um, Well, that was our discussion of big friendship. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to wrap it up now and say if you want to become our friends, because we would like you to, that's why we called the podcast Let's Be Friends, you can follow us at The Nosh Podcast on Instagram. We also have a Gmail, thenoshpodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter. Yeah, I said it like that. Twitter. Uh, you can tweet at us at the Nosh Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to leave us a positive review on the podcast app in the iTunes, Apple iTunes store. What the hell is that called? The thing you're no, probably- like wherever you can do that. Yeah, wherever you can leave us a review, tell us how you feel about us and like give us praise because Shine Theory, hi, Shine Theory, um, then we would love for you to do that. So yeah, love you guys and I'll, we'll see you in the group chat. You can always count on me and I can count on you. Good times, bad times in between, but friends will see me through. Say hello to your friends. The Nosh Podcast. Say hello to the people who care. Nothing's better than friends. The Nosh Podcast.